0: But we place it all at the feet of the Lord and we move forward together as a family, confident in Christ and confident in the God who has been faithful to us since the beginning of this season now and who will be faithful until the end. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to jump into the Word of God this morning. And today's scripture reading will actually be from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. La escritura de hoy va a ser del libro de Primera de Pedro, capítulo 1, versículos 3 al 9. And I'll be reading it for us in, in English, but you can follow along in Spanish or whatever heart language you may have, whether you're here in person or at home online. The passage today will be from... from... From the book of First Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Let's go ahead and hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. First Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth in all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even the, which will not perish even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your precious, precious word that never fails. Your precious word that gives life. Your precious word that leads us to new creation, Lord, to put off old ways and old instincts and put on Christ, Lord, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, I just pray that you would meet us today in the midst of our questions of our confusion, of our anxieties. Meet us just as we are, Lord. You see us just as we are, and you know us just as we are, and you never run away. You keep moving toward us. You draw nearer to us, Lord. And that is a miracle that we're grateful for. Do what you have to do. Would you do that spiritual heart surgery in us, Lord? Take our old hearts and give us new hearts, that reflect Christ. Help us to see You as the God that You are, Lord. A God who is slow to anger, quick to listen, abounding in grace, and always mighty to save. Thank You, Lord. Speak to us this morning in a way that is new, fresh, and clear. In Jesus' faithful name we pray. Amen. Well, in this season that we find ourselves in, we've had to make a lot of shifts in the past couple of years. Last year, we learned a lot about what it meant to adapt, to really adapt to new contexts, new realities, new developments. This year, I'm already learning, and it's only, what, uh, 15 days, 16 days into this new year, I'm learning that this is going to be a year of patience. Patience. A lot of patience. And each week there seems to be a new development and it seems like every couple of hours there are new realities that we need to learn to accommodate to or to be patient with. And as I personally have continued to pray and navigate through some of these matters and process, I've come to realize that for many, including myself, the question behind the question is really a question of restoration, of redemption, of really wondering um, what's, what's going on. Will things ever get back restored to the way that we knew them? Will things be redeemed at one point? And if it's not at the tip of our tongues, it's really at the core of our hearts. It could be even at the core of our frustrations, of our challenges, of our anxieties. This question behind the question, which is, when will things be restored to some sense of normality once again? Or when will we be able to really fully move forward in this time? It's at the core of our hearts. This story of redemption, of renewal, of of, um, of of really just restoring things in the way that they ought to be. For many of us, that's even behind some of our restlessness, some of our sleepless nights, some of our overworking or suppressing and distracting. That's at the core. The biggest question behind the question of our lives, maybe even in this season, but then in your life in general, it's this question, is there redemption? Is there going to be salvation? Is there an answer to our anxiety, to our frustration, to our endless worries? Perhaps it's what's on everybody's mind because It has to do with hope. And so again, when we dig deeper and deeper, is the question behind the question, behind the anger, behind the frustration, behind the sadness, the loneliness, the anxiety, is the question actually about hope? Are we really asking ourselves, is hope still alive? Especially in this uncertain time. You know, hope is a very interesting thought and idea and reality because we all have hope and we all place our hope in something or in someone. So for human beings like you and me, it's not a matter of if we place our hope in something or someone, but the question is what or in who are we placing our hope? And is that thing or is that someone enough or sufficient to satisfy the greatness of the human Soul. Scripture refers to the soul. And even in this passage that we read in verse 9, it says uh, that, uh, that Christ is at work in the salvation of our souls. And when Scripture talks about the soul, it actually talks about the whole human person. My insides, my outsides, everything that's formed me as an individual. And here in this passage, the Apostle Peter talks to a community that is asking these very real questions, even like we're asking in 2022. Is redemption possible? Is hope still alive? He's talking to a community that is experiencing persecution and uncertainty. And yeah, even fear and anxiety too. Peter proclaims and encourages this community by pointing to the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He's addressing a community that has witnessed the hope of Christ, and yet they continue to experience suffering and turmoil and times of discouragement. Peter here is speaking to the raw reality of everyday people like you and me. He is not just addressing a group of happy-go-lucky hippies. He is not just addressing a group of don't worry, be happy, religious bumper sticker, cliche kind of people. He's addressing people like you and me who enter into the messiness of everyday human life and human reality. People like you and me who know a thing or two about discouragement, about suffering, about setbacks, about hardships and disappointments, especially in times like this. So it's to people like you and me, to such a community, that the Apostle Peter talks to about a living hope. Can you believe it? Peter actually has the courage, he has the boldness to talk about hope in the midst of uncertain times. Peter begins by discussing the origins of living hope. And he tells us here in this passage from verses 3 to 9 that really the origin of living hope is not you and me. It's not our context. It's not what we've done. It's not what we've left undone. But the origin of this living hope that will never be shaken is who God is and what God has done says the origin of living hope is actually this new birth, this new creation, this new thing that God is doing. So he's saying here that living hope will not be achieved by you and I just doing more. Or you and I just thinking that we got this because the reality is we don't. The origin of living hope here that we see the Apostle Peter talk about is who God is and what God has done. And he says that we can hold on to this hope, which occurs through the resurrection. Yeah, he's getting into some very big things here because the resurrection is that point of new creation where God enter, really begins something new in, enfolding into the reality of all people and all times and all places and all of creation. In a few months, that's what we're going to be celebrating during Easter. And really, that's what it's all about. The resurrection of Jesus is the birth of living hope. A living hope that will not be shaken, even by the worst circumstances, even by the most uncertain and anxious times. The hope that will never die because Jesus is alive. That's the foundation of a living hope that will never be shaken. It will never be shaken by death, by plagues, by injustices, by pandemics. None of that can contain the living hope that we have through the resurrection in Jesus Christ. So beloved friends, brothers, sisters, remember this. We have been given this living hope. And even death, even the worst things, even uncertainty, cannot and will not contain our hope. The worst circumstances, those unplanned disappointments, those setbacks, those canceled plans, people not fulfilling their promises, all of that will work until it doesn't. And I hope that for you, just like it has been for me, that this season, these past couple of years, have taught us that. That anything else that we place our hope in that's not this living hope, it works until it doesn't. This is where we find ourselves here and now. In 2022, responding to this reality as it is. Not as any one of us would like it to be or would have planned it to be. Yet our hope through the resurrection is a living hope rooted and grounded in what God has done and in who God is. In the grace of God, which is the actions of God for all of humanity through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So notice here. That the Apostle Peter in this passage, he does not say that our hope is rooted and grounded in either our own virtue or our own vice. He's not saying that this living hope is rooted and grounded in what we have done or in what we have left undone. But again, this living hope is outside of you, outside of me. It's based on who God is and what God has done on our behalf. Will we receive that hope today? that hope that is extended to you, that is given to you, that has been sacrificed for you. Friends, brothers, sisters, basing our hope in our own works or our own circumstances or in our own self-sufficiency, that is an insufficient hope. It may work for a little while, but it will not stand. For some of us, it's the hope of performance. That my hope is based on what I do. For others, it's the hope of popularity, right? My hope is based on what others think of me. For others, it's the hope of possessions. That my hope is based on what I have. But friends, brothers, sisters... May we learn this to be absolutely true that performance, popularity, and possessions will not stand. They come and they go. If the foundation of our hope is based on our best instincts or our personality or our desire for affirmation from others or in our comparisons to others or in our work status or empty praise from others, then that hope will eventually result in being nothing more than sinking sand. Kind of like quicksand, right? Step in it, keep going down, you can't get yourself out of it. Some of us are seeing this unfold right now in front of us this week and in the last couple of months and years as well. Things that we place our hope in as individuals, as families, as a society, that are turning out to be nothing more than just sinking sand. But our hope, as Jesus people, as followers of Jesus, is in the rock that does not move. In the rock that does not move, even when the hardest waves of this life come crashing down. Jesus Christ is the solid rock in which we stand. Amen. I love how today the worship team chose to really sing some songs that can be um, really what I like to call timeless songs songs that can be excuse me, songs that can be sung in any generation at any time, whether they're 10, 20, 30 or 40 years old, or even more. And one of my timeless songs that I go to often, I've shared it with some of you, but it's, it's a hymn. It's a very, uh, you know, hundreds of years old, very old song, which is um, the song, The Solid Rock. Some of you know it. Some of you grew up singing this song, either in English or in Spanish or your heart language. But it's the song that reminds us, even in the, our deepest fears, even in our, our deepest uncertainty, is what if we really believed this hope to be true? Not just in concept, but in reality. Not just in idea, but in function. Not just by knowledge, but by living truth. What if we believed in the living hope through the resurrection that the Apostle Peter in this passage is proclaiming, he's witness to, and he's inviting us To believe in, to live by. If we believe that it was actually true, what would change? What would change for you? What would change for your family? What would change for our church? What would change for society? if there were individuals set apart for God's purposes that actually believed living hope to be true, and this was the core of who we are, the core of what motivates everything we do and what reflects our lives, our words, and our actions. If we actually believed this to be true, what would we have less of in our lives? Maybe less fear? Less anxiety? Less hurry, running around like a chicken without a head everywhere? And on the other hand, what would we have more of in our lives if we lived as if living hope were actually true? So just think about it for a second. If I lived, if we lived as if this resurrection hope were true, Maybe, just maybe, some of that fear, some of that restlessness, some of that anxiety, which defines so many of our lives and so many of us and so much in society, by the power of the resurrection, that would be exchanged, that would be traded for greater joy, greater peace, and greater courage that is not based on our circumstance but on our calling our calling which reminds us of who God is and who God will be in our lives our calling which reminds us as it says in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 and we can get the verse up there 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 which reminds us of this for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. That's who God has called you to be. To have a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We can also so if this is true, how do we live this out, right? How do we live out this new way, the way of living hope? So the way that we live out this new way is actually through the application of faith. And I've shared this before, but I want to remind us of it once again. The application of faith is called trust. The application of faith is called trust. Faith cannot be understood until it is believed, practiced, and applied. And the way we apply our faith is through trust. Actual trust. Trust. If I could give the illustration here, right? What is the illustration of trust? Is me falling back here and trusting that someone will catch me. That the Lord has got me. There are so many other illustrations we can think of as well. But trust takes us on one of the longest journeys in the spiritual life. And that is the journey from the head to the heart. From just... Believing as knowledge to believing as living hope, as living truth. Today, we're invited to trust, to apply our faith in 2022. To go that step beyond, right? Not just agree like good Christian folks on Sunday hearing it and it goes in one ear and out the other. Or not just liking if you see something like this, or are reminded of, uh, of this living truth, um, or, or living hope on social media, not just liking it, but fully trusting, applying our faith. I love how this morning, even in our time of fellowship, and we'll, you know pay a close attention to what God is doing in and through the lives of the people of our church. But I got to hear some stories even in just this morning 's fellowship of the application of faith, of God showing up and making a way of providing a pathway where it seemed like there was none, reminders that we still serve a God of miracles when we apply our faith through trust. Again, as we're reminded there in the book of 2 Timothy, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Philippians 1.6, which we got to really focus on during the fall of last year, um, also reminds us of, of what applied faith looks like. In Philippians 1.6, it says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Applied faith gives me the courage, the boldness to live into that reality or into the reality of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, which reminds us that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Can we lean into that? Can we apply that as the center, as the cornerstone of the way in which we function? This call is a call to trust, to trust in a living hope, a living hope that is that is so deeply real. And in order to really experience this living hope, it requires courage. It requires a sense of humbling ourselves. And it is A living hope that is so necessary right now in this year, in 2022, in our church, in this city, in our community, even in our ordinary town and in our valley, there is a need for living hope for you and I to live by it. We're hearing all kinds of things, right? Case after case, situation after situation. Again, currently in our state and valley, another surge, another variant. Just when it seems like we are taking a step forward, suddenly it feels like a step backward. For some, almost like we've gone in a time machine and it's like deja vu. Haven't we done all this already, Right. And it can feel sometimes like the walls are just closing in because the truth is that everyone's going through a lot right now. So we can practice that extra grace, that extra love, that extra care with one another and model that here as God's people. We need living hope now more than ever. And we have access to this living hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus, through the new creation, the new thing that God is doing that looks so different than anything around us. Because it's not from us, it's from God. You know, as we've been adapting and been patient um, in this season together as a church, My heart really just goes out to all the parents, all the educators here in our community, those watching online, those around town as well. My heart goes out to all the parents out there who currently have um, to just navigate things with children, right? Um, One week, protocols are one way, another way this. Some are going virtual, some are doing this. It's messy and um, it's a reality that we're all in right now. And so my heart goes out to especially um, those raising children or teenagers or young or whatever it may be, your family context at home. My heart goes out to you in this time, especially in having to be patient, having to adapt, having to follow protocols and all kinds of things. You know, I even think about it um, and and just what different reality, right? For my son, my oldest son, uh, Lemmy, who's in kindergarten, this has been his entire school experience in a COVID reality. He has never known something different than that, which is so different than what I got to experience or perhaps some of us here. But, you know, it's necessary and it's simply the reality we have to respond to. And this too will pass as we place our trust in our living hope. But my word to parents and students and all of those who continuously feel like we have to keep adapting, then applying patience, then all of that, My word is this, trust in God. Trust in God. You know, even in those moments when you don't have anything to say and you don't know what to pray, you can pray and just say those words, God, I trust you. Even if it's not something that you're understanding in that whole moment, you can pray, Lord, I trust you. Hold on to the living hope that we have in Christ. You know, parents or caregivers. I do want to share with you um, some reading that I did uh, this uh, over the past couple of months, and I think I've shared it with. With uh, some of you before, but it was on tips to best manage how to you know care for family and and care for kids and whatnot, especially in these times of of uncertainty, of uh, kids having to stay home sometimes a bit more than other days and whatnot, and in in this season of social distancing and challenges and and unforeseen changes, um, this is actually from a blogger, and he's called the. The impactologist and he talks about the top three ways that someone can work from home or, or care for for family or whatever it may be while they're, they're they're figuring things out at home and he gives three tips and he says number one is first remember put a lock on the inside of your home office door to ensure that there will be awkward and unplanned interruptions and number two He says, agree with your family and children on times that you will be available for questions, opening jars, and playing with kids. So make a clear agreement on that. And then number three, and this is the most important tip on how to navigate um, all the responsibilities of care and family and self at home during this time. He says, number three, most importantly, accept that none of these tips will actually work. And you're just going to have to work at night when the kids are asleep and do your best. Keep going. Keep at it. Parents, fathers, and mothers, or older siblings, students, those who play a paternal or maternal role in someone's life, right now, you're doing it. Keep doing it. Keep up the good work. God sees you. I see you. We love you. We care for you. We're supporting you. We're cheering you on. Keep going. You're doing as Christ has called us to do. Laying our lives down and suffering long for the sake of others. That's what the power of the cross teaches us. So friends, brothers, sisters, whatever burden you're carrying, whoever you're caring for in this time, whether it's yourself or those in your family or whatever it may be, keep going. And keep at it. Yes, give yourselves times to rest, but keep going and know that living hope applies to us in all seasons. You know... For me, some of this used to be a little bit more of a theory, but I've had experiences firsthand where I've been able to see that living hope is not just a theory, it's not just a nice thought, it is a reality. And for some, it's been the core of their reality in some of the most unspeakable and most challenging times. And I can say, I can pinpoint the time when This whole idea, this whole invitation of living hope actually became a reality for me. And this is when I got to um, have an interaction with a grieving mother who was actually taking part in the funeral of her own son, of something that is just unbelievable to even think one would take part in one day. And this was years ago. Um, I think I've shared this example with some of you, um, perhaps with others I haven't. But years ago, as I was um, really newer here to the valley, I was really just experiencing a lot of only God moments where, you know, there, we were just in the earliest stages and meeting different types of people. And through a variety of circumstances, I met this family who actually was from the community and they, they had no pastor. And so they, they called on me and asked if I would be willing to officiate the funeral for their son who had just passed away. And um, you know he was in his late teens, so somewhere between uh, 17 and 19 years old. Um, so yeah, the weight of it was, was quite big. And I agreed to do it and all cards on the table, um, this passage in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9, this is oftentimes my go-to passage when I officiate funerals. You know, there's a lot of joy in the ministry and, and the call that I have. And there's a lot of um, heaviness as well. And I've had the privilege to be able to officiate several funerals for people in our community, family members, but then also folks outside of our church community too. And this was one of those examples. So I went to this passage, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And I used this passage of living hope to comfort people that are grieving And the truth is, yeah, many of us are grieving in different ways throughout this season. Maybe we haven't processed it fully, so we keep ourselves busy or distracted or whatever it may be. But grief is just when we're dealing with loss or dealing with the reality that things are not as they were or not as they ought to be. But back to this story, um, I agreed to do the funeral, and I'm actually going to read to you from the manuscript that I, I read when I did that funeral service. And these were some of the exact words that I shared with that grieving family and particularly with that grieving mother during that funeral. I read from First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, and I talked about the living hope through the resurrection. And then I shared these exact words. I said this. I said, Today as we are rightfully mourning and grieving, yet we are also gathered in a worship service that witnesses to the resurrection. Today, may we trust in the person of Jesus Christ and the hope of the resurrection more than we do in ourselves, in other people, in other places, outcomes, or circumstances. May we trust Trust in the living hope of Jesus Christ even more than we fear death. And I close the service out with a prayer and with those words. And afterwards, I'll have to be honest with you, I was unsure about how that was going to be received. This wasn't really a church context. This wasn't really people that were within my congregation. Um, So I went over to comfort the family and to share my condolences and to just be present with them. And the mother was actually at the very end of the row. It's kind of like rows here at our church and right at the end of the row, she was um, right there and she, understandably so, she could not stop crying and weeping. And I thought, well, maybe... Maybe I was insensitive, or maybe I said something the wrong way. And I'll be honest with you, I started feeling pretty insecure in that moment. But I just showed up and I just stood next to her and I extended my hand out to her, to this grieving mother, and she actually didn't take my hand. She actually just stood up and embraced me and held me and was crying on my shoulder. And as we were having that holy moment, the words that she was saying were simply the words, thank you. Thank you for those words. Now I know deepest in my heart that those words were not merely thanking me. But she was thanking God for the living hope that we have that goes beyond death and beyond circumstances. A living hope that goes beyond the unimaginable. A living hope that goes beyond situations that are out of our control. And a living hope that goes beyond uncertain times. Even times like this, we have a hope that goes beyond this. A hope based on God's calling and God's faithfulness. God's got you. God's got us. And as we trust God in uncertain times, may we make that long journey from the head to the heart. And may we be reminded that all other hope is sinking sand. It is only on Jesus Christ, the living hope, the solid rock, on which we will stand. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, God, we're grateful for you, for your presence, for your gentleness, for your reality in our lives, God. God, I just pray that you would be our living hope. Touch us today, O oh Lord. Speak to us. Comfort us. Would you communicate to us, Lord, with the language of the heart? Language that goes beyond words, Lord. But through your presence, God. Through your power. Through your promises. Through even our time in praise and worship here together. Through the prayers that are lifted up to you, Lord. Manifest, reveal yourself to us, God. Lord, our hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Lord, may those words not just be a nice song or nice lyrics, But may may they travel from the head to the heart. May we apply that faith to hold on to a living hope through the resurrection. Through trusting, Lord, that the worst things will not be the last things. That the uncertain times do not change the certainty and the confidence that we have in you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We surrender to you, we yield to you, and we pray, Lord, may your will be done in our lives, in our church, in our community. Use us, Lord, as your vessels, as your people, as your channels of grace, Lord God, wherever we go. We love you, Lord. We trust you we believe in you to be God Lord to us. That means we don't need to take on that role. We don't need to impose that role, Lord God. But we can rest in knowing, Lord, that you hold us and you will never leave us or forsake us. Be our comfort, our refuge, and our peace this week and always. It's in the faithful name of Jesus we pray.